important message from the CDC. You have been recognized as someone who has been in direct contact with a person or persons who have COVID-19 coronavirus. You are required to remain where you are and self-quarantine for 14 days and possibly more due to your small wiener. Tiny wieners have will in more quarantine days. <laughs> wiener size like yours could triple your time. Please be advised that you have a tiny wiener. <laughs> so that was a uh, voice message that I got this week. <laughs> nice accurate very accurate it's very much dad humor i didn't create that i didn't make that that was sent to me by mary one of gina's pals one of our pals she thinks she's funny she's never seen my wiener she has no idea how big my wiener is and i have to say that i it was a good guess guess. yeah fuck yourself gina (laughs) hey everybody welcome to our special Friday COVID episode of In Love With The Process. Uh, if uh, you were feeling lonely last week, if you were upset that we weren't uh, there, well, you know, go fuck yourself. I had work to do. Uh, but um, I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Liam. Say hello, Liam. Hello. There he is. Um, last week was a uh, pretty intense week for me because I'm in the middle of doing some prep on a, a movie that hopefully will happen, fingers crossed. Um, and I'm deep in doing storyboards right now. Uh, and unfortunately, what that means is that it requires every moment of my fucking time. So to get into planning out shots and to get into planning out blocking, I really need to keep my brain in that space. So I was like, look, I can't really do much podcast stuff this week because I got to focus on that. But Liam picked up the slack uh, for those of you who hadn't heard it yet or haven't heard it yet, you can listen to uh, kind of our best of episode for season two at this point. And I love that I still call it season two. I mean, it's literally been like two seasons in one. But uh, the best of season two and Liam's uh, favorite clips for the show. Uh, and I want to say, Liam, you did a good job with it, brother. I appreciate it. How was uh, how was helming the ship? You know... I, I feel like it was nervous, but I totally didn't leave it. Like, I, no one noticed how nervous I was. That's what <laughs> I want to believe. Says who? Says who? I noticed how nervous you were. Oh, you, know, a, you noticed how nervous I yeah, was. Yeah, I thought it was adorable how nervous you were. It was oh, like. No, I thought I played it cool, man. I thought I played it <laughs> relaxed and, and easygoing. You know, yeah, no right. It was, like, it, was like the stand, it was like the opening <laughs> act didn't show up that night. So you had to go out there and be like. Hi, is this on? Is this microphone ready? Okay, here's how we do the show. <laughs> Look, man, you must have been listening to another episode because. <laughs> Look, bullshit aside, I thought you did a great job. Um, and you can definitely tell that you were finding your footing as you continued <laughs> through the show, but you, you killed it, man. You did good work on it. And what a lot of people don't realize is that when you hear a clip show, um, the, there's people that sort of roll their eyes and go, oh, what a lazy fucking thing. They're doing a clip show. It's a lot of fucking work. It's a lot of work going through and finding the clips and putting the clips together. And then you did a good job introing and outroing each one of those clips, dude. So I appreciate um, it. The the moment that it sounds like I kind of sort of know what I'm doing is the moment I figured out what the hell I was doing. I, I basically <laughs> just started it going, oh, cool. I've got the clips. All right. How do I introduce it? I don't know. I'll figure it out. I didn't figure it out. <laughs> it's not that easy, is it, man? Not that no. easy helming the fucking ship. 
No. And to everybody listening, I've been doing this and I real I'm I'm recommending this here. Please go on Instagram, roast me. Tell me how much it sucks or why you think it sucks. I want to hear some bad ones. Some of my friends have given me some absolutely terrible roasts about it, like Deadpool 1, uh, where they're where they're just giving analogies of what his face looks like. Like that's what we were doing about my intro. And I really want to hear if anybody has a good one. Well, dude, I mean, I'm, I'm scrolling through the numbers right now. I mean, you you did pretty well, man. The numbers are really good on that show. You actually beat out uh, the uh, Discovering the Cat's Butthole episode. So you beat that one out. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> and nice yeah. to know that I'm better than a cat's butthole. Slightly better. Sli- I would say only by like 100 and change. Only 100 no. <laughs> and change listeners better than a cat's butthole. Remember that. So I beat Remember it just that. by the hair on a cat's butthole. But the, we've did. <laughs> We've decided that it's all about naming on this show, so people will get will get more views based upon the name. So your name does a little bit better than the two words "cat's butthole." So think about that. Think I'll, about I'll take it. That's that's high that. praise. That's high praise right there. I know it could have been it could have been the opposite. I could have been like, "Well, you didn't even beat the cat's butthole," so you're fucked. <laughs> uh, so anyway, for those of you listening, um, thank you. Thank you for continuing to tune in to the show. Uh, we have been recording. We actually just finished recording a new episode uh, 10 minutes ago, which won't be next week's episode. It'll be the week after next week's episode. Next week's episode is really great. Uh, are we going to tease what next week? Who's that? What's next? What's uh, next week's episode, Liam? Uh, are, you, are you asking me to tease? Yeah. What's next week's episode? It's a, it's a, it's a fun episode from down under. Oh, we've uh, right. cuz we've got, you know, a lot of people like hearing you talking to other directors, so we have an excellent uh uh experiment here. Um hold on, because I'm going through so many fucking notes, you do it because I don't have it in front of me. That was me stalling. That was me stalling trying to get it and it didn't work. I didn't find it. Well, I'll just tease it. We have the the director uh from a great movie that's on Netflix now called I Am Mother. So Grant is going to be on the show. Uh, you'll be able to hear him next week. I'm very excited, but we sit around and we talk about uh, what it's like to get your first feature made, what it's like to get your first feature uh, distributed on a major platform like Netflix at the level that that movie was. Um, it's really great. It's a good show for those of us, myself included, that are trying to get your first movie up and running. And it's an interesting look into what happens after you do your first movie. Because right now, everything is weighed in that direction. Got to get the first one. Got to get the first one done. What happens after? So it's a great episode. We're going back into it with filmmakers hard um, for that episode. And then today's episode, which I'm not going to tease yet, but you guys are going to be super excited about it. Uh, Liam is a mega fangirl for uh, the uh, show that we recorded this morning. Uh, And that comes out uh, two weeks from now. Um, So I got a bunch of good stuff on the horizon, and that is our thank you to you. Those of you who have been tuning in, making our numbers go through the fucking roof, uh, making sure that people understand that In Love With The Process is the podcast to be listening to for filmmaking, for entertainment, for fun, and for <laughs> for unreliable COVID resources. <laughs> so uh, we really appreciate all of that. Um, and for, uh, this episode, let's sort of dig into 
I've been talking in the past couple of episodes of how I stay motivated and how I stay going through this whole thing. We're now pushing uh, over a month at this point of being locked down, and we're starting to see the results of that with all these crazy fucking uh, people that are deciding to revolt against the lockdown. Um, and there's a lot of desperation that we're going to be seeing in the next few weeks because at the end of the day, uh, people are going to start running out of money. And that's going to be a fucking thing. So uh, it, it, it's no coincidence that we start to see this stuff happen as rent starts to roll through, as it gets closer to paying rent. Um, so for those of us that are still in a decent financial situation, uh, thank your lucky stars for being so. For those of you who are um, running out of your fucking savings, my heart goes out to that. And hopefully you have applied for that life-saving, quote-unquote, $1,200 check, which I did get mine, finally. Uh, did you get yours, Liam? I actually didn't check because when I did go on my app, it was shut down for three days because so many people were on it looking and it couldn't handle the bandwidth. So I don't know. Yeah, because some people did, some people didn't. I know I got mine. I, I don't know if Gina finally got hers, but she didn't get hers on the same day that I got mine. Um. And bear with the crazy sounds outside because it's fucking like 90-something degrees out here in Los Angeles, so everybody's decided to break quarantine and they're everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, so I did get my check for that, and then I did go through that long, arduous process for the unemployment here in Los Angeles, which I'm still trying to figure out. I got paperwork that was sent back to me that apparently I need to know how to read ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics to figure out what the fuck it means. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have it. Maybe I have it. It said $0, but I don't know what the fuck's going on. So I just resent in my forms to find out. I'm not getting paid for it. Um, I do have friends that work in the entertainment industry that are freelancers that I think are finally getting it. Um, it's not a big check, so be ready for that. I think a buddy of mine's only getting like 60 something dollars a week. Um, but I guess it's helpful. So there are still options out there. I know those of you listening from Massachusetts, Massachusetts has finally instated uh, the forms or the process for freelancers officially. Um, I think California has, I haven't looked into it the past couple of days. I think California finally has two. Yes, I think the, that is that is correct. Is it true? Okay. Yeah, that was one of the things that I was, I was going to bring up. Yeah, well, you throw in there. What, what's going on with uh, California and, and that? Um, it's just that they, they've been approved. Um, a lot of banks, like the, the small business loans, um, those were also announced. That first round of small business loans that were approved were also announced. So um, if you didn't get a small business loan and you're running like a studio or something, we're looking at today, well, th we're recording this on a Thursday. So today the House of Representatives was also voting in to get another one, but California has been approved for- um, Small for business? Uh, yeah, for the small business loans. But again, you're looking at, and I'm, I'm using the most conservative number that I remember reading, 15% uh, of applicants were approved. Yeah. And that, yeah. Is, that is the highest one that I remember. I, I, I read some things that were closer down to like 3%. So that's why they're signing in another one. Yeah, and there's a lot of like dirty rumors, not even rumors, but there's a lot of dirty information out there about like, bigger corporations getting their hands on a lot of that fucking money. Yep. <sighs> Harvard. Country, man. Uh, fuck you. Really? 
No, okay. So the news is that Harvard did get a couple million, um, but they didn't get it out of that one. It was the the small business loan was also bundled in with a an act that went for uh, financial institutions, and so Harvard was approved through that. But still, fuck them because they're, fuck you. Yeah, they're in, they're a goddamn endowment could be financing this whole fucking thing. Yep. Fuck you. I don't mind saying that on here. Fuck you. That fucking shit drives me insane. And there's a reason why uh, there are so many people revolting with this stuff. Fuck you. God damn it. I don't get political on this show, but that pisses me off. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Continue. Oh, by the way, uh, apparently they're doing trash collection. Can you hear it? I Yes, I can. That's yeah, terrible. No. It's going to be good for the audio. But this is this is what I feel like right now. This is what I... I just want to take that that information that I found out about Harvard and just bring it outside right now. <laughs> That's what I want to do. It fucking pisses me off. Yep. But I mean, Harvard's offering like, you know, computer science classes for free online. Don't, don't, don't trigger me any further. Cause okay. I feel like I'm, I'm already jumping down a hole that I shouldn't be jumping down, but fuck you. God damn it. That's, Oh wow. What's going on here? Apparently there's a body stuck in one of the barrels, so the guy's trying to use the little robot arm to get it out. Is he is he shaking it like trying like that uh A1 steak sauce? Commercial? He's not wearing he's not wearing a mask. I'd oh, be good. wearing a mask anyways. And in gloves anyways. Oh, it's great audio for the podcast right now. I'm just gonna let this roll for a second here. Enjoy my life. Hold on. I live in a dead-end street, and as soon as the weather got good out here, which was two days ago, we had like five fucking delivery trucks on our street yesterday, and one of the guys had a giant pallet of construction stuff. I think it was like porcelain tiles, and he has a, um, what do you call it? Not a forklift, but like a little pallet lift, and he's like pushing it off the side of the truck, and it slips out of his hands, and the lift... And all the porcelain fucking tiles just spill out all on the fucking street. It was insanity. And because no one's working, all of like the old Armenians that live on our on our street just all come out and stand around and point. And it's like, look what you did. Look what you did. You need to pick this up. <laughs> and that went on for like two and a half hours yesterday. That's amazing. So it's a nice, quiet neighborhood. <laughs> anyway, um... Okay, so we're going to have the opportunity to uh, compete against another giant institution for uh, small business loans again, huh? Is that what's yeah, happening? that's pretty much what it is. It's the fourth relief package. Uh, yeah. And it, in that relief package, is it, is it just business loan stuff, or are they also going to be sending out another uh, relief check to everybody? It's, it's not looking at any individual checks that are coming back out. This is really... It's half a, uh, it's half a billion or half a trillion. Oh, there it is. The House is expected to vote Thursday, which is today, on the latest 483 billion measure already passed by the Senate, which adds its centerpiece would add 321 billion dollars to replenish a small business payroll fund. So you're looking at it. It's ma- it's mainly to get those uh the small businesses that weren't approved for the initial bailout to be able to do that. And I guess bailout is the wrong term there because a bailout is when you do something wrong and nobody did anything wrong, at least at that level. The small businesses didn't do anything wrong to create this situation. So, 
What is that? Do you know the specifics? Because I don't. Like they call it a small business loan, but then someone was saying that as long as you're paying employees with it, then you don't have to pay that back. Is that true? Have you heard this stuff? Um, so there actually is a whole breakdown. That was actually another one of the things um, that I'm posting in the show notes. Uh, School of Motion did a whole breakdown on what uh, what you should expect as an individual, what you should expect as a creative um, with the CARES Act. Hold on, I wrote I wrote a couple. Uh, yeah, so it's a uh, it's School of Motion broke down the CARES Act for freelancers and studio owners with basically as you're an individual, the CARES Act allows for expanded unemployment to self-employed, independent contractors, and people with limited work history. So that's for the in individuals. I didn't have any of the specific notes for the small businesses or the studios, but all of that is written honestly pretty in depth in that um, that article that they wrote. So I have to check it out because, of course, you hear things from people, and then and fucking rumor mill happens. So right, it's it's like small business loan. The first thing that I think of is like, okay, so it's a fucking loan. So how, how long do I have to pay it back, and what is the interest on that, and how long, and is there interest, and is there not interest? And then someone was saying that if if you're using that money to pay uh, workers, like employees, any of that money that you're using to pay them didn't have to be paid back. But that just—it sounds fucking ridiculous. Well, and there's no such there's no such thing as free fucking money. It um, also doesn't make sense because what else would you be using that money for if not to pay for the expenses of the business, which payroll counts as an, a business expense. Yeah, and this is all speculation, and it just proves that you and I just don't do our fucking homework before we start the show. But uh, <laughs> well, look, I did my homework. I just did, I did half of it. Okay, <laughs> I did half. You quizzed me on side B. I did side A. Fail, fail, fucking F. Um, so I, I think that the argument was that you know it further pushes people not to just pocket that cash, but all, to use that cash to pay people out, because there is the concern that. You know, I've got a small business. I'll put in for a fucking small business loan and then they'll just pocket that cash. So that's, I don't know. That's sort of the concern with it. I I, I should go through and read uh, the specifics of it. I think the only reason I haven't, and I know a lot of you guys feel the same way that are listening to it, is just pure exhaustion, sort of like COVID exhaustion at this point where it's just like, I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of fucking having to read uh, new things about it every day and hear all these fucking things every day. And, and what if it is true and what if it's fear-mongering and then are they just trying to rile us up and are they not trying to rile us up? It drives me fucking insane. And I know that we're all in that same boat. Um, and speaking of going insane, uh, I think it's like once a week that I have a fucking break at this point. I don't know if you guys are the same way. And some of us or some of the, you guys listening at home uh are either in quarantine with friends or you're in quarantine with family. And then uh, there are, are many of us like myself that are in quarantine with a relationship. And this is an interesting thing for a lot of people right now is that we're forced to be around each other as a couple for fucking 24 hours straight, <laughs> which uh, luckily Gene and I are in a good place because we've been doing that for quite some time anyways. We did the move cross country. If you guys have listened to those episodes, we've been together for that period of time. But we still have moments. Um, and everybody has these moments where it's natural. You get on each other's fucking nerves. You have a moment where someone does something or says something or someone's not doing something or someone's trying to process their stress and then you're involved with the 
processing of that stress. Um, I had a fucking flip out yesterday where it was just, I was trying to do my, I was trying to do some storyboards and fucking everybody on the street was super loud and everything in the apartment was super loud. I just had a fucking freak out. Um, and thankfully I'm with somebody who's very patient. Um, and she was very kind to like, give me my space and to walk away and have the space. Um, it's important to remember that it's okay if you're freaking the fuck out because we all are and being creatures that are confined now for over a month in one space is really difficult. Um, but just remember that for two, two reasons, right? If you get into a fight with your loved one, remember that you, in theory, love them. Hopefully you love them. So how long does that fight need to last? And if you are going to get into an argument, don't hold grudges and don't wait for the other person to come fix it. I feel like that is mistake number fucking one. And listen to me giving relationship advice. Uh, this is mistake number one in my book is when you get into a fight with someone and you go, well, they're going to have to come back and they're going to have to tell me that they're sorry. That is the first, first step into burning it all down <laughs> because that expectation and that unspoken expectation from somebody just leads to the destruction of a relationship. So take that as it is. Uh, just remember that we're all trapped and it's okay to flip out and it's okay to let someone flip out because we all need to do it. Um, and like I said, thank you, Gina, for uh, putting up with my fucking... I, I, literally, Liam, I almost took my computer and my way home and almost threw it at the people on the street. I was so pissed off yesterday. Your Puget system? And, yeah, I almost threw Puget. Someone almost got Puget in their fucking face yesterday. Oh, man. Oh, so annoying. And by the way, as, as I'm talking about this stuff... I love the fact that software likes to update itself. I love the fact that we get constant updates, especially when the hardware can't keep up with it. So when you're using fucking Photoshop and they've done an update and now your goddamn tablet fucking pen doesn't work or it lags because they've done some stupid bullshit like making life better for you, quote unquote, settings in the background, it fucking drives me insane. It drives me insane whenever I have to stop doing the creative shit if I'm drawing a line and fucking Photoshop crashes, dude, I was working on it yesterday, Liam, and I had drawn two panels. And so that you guys know, it usually takes me, because I'm not the best artist, it usually takes me about 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes to do a panel if I'm going fast. If I'm doing like a detailed keyframe, it usually takes me about an hour and a half. I had drawn two panels and had a fucking system crash, and I lost all that work yesterday. There's nothing worse than th that shit, and I was so fucking irritated. Oh, my blood's heated just thinking about it. Control S, kids. Yeah, control S. Control S is right, man. Uh, but even then, I don't know why, dude. Fucking corrupted the file, and I lost all the shit, so I had to redo it. Luckily, Holy because fuck. I had already done it once, I did it again, and it was even better second time around, but... You know what I mean? Uh, how are you holding up, Liam? I mean, you know, I'm doing okay. We're we're all right. I've I've seen three people in the last month. <laughs> and uh I'm what people refer to as an extrovert or pure extrovert. And if I don't like if I'm if I'm around people, that gives me energy. And so 
this is like hell, but we're okay. We're, we're getting through that. While you were, while you were talking, I did pull it up. I pulled up those notes cause I can't stand failing quizzes. <laughs> I came okay, up got? instead of, instead of talking about how crazy I'm going in isolation, I can talk about following the key things you uh, are the key things you need to know about these loans. You see, these okay. loans are, uh, these loans are backed by the SBA and are issued through banks and other lenders. You must apply no later than June 30th, 2020. The maximum loan amount is 2.5 times your average monthly payroll or $10 million, whichever is lower. And that's what, uh, you know, some college got. Uh, the loan matures in two years and has a 1% interest rate. Payments are deferred for six months, and there's no requirement for personal guarantees or collateral. As long as you use the funds for payroll, costs, mortgage, utilities, or rent, and at least 75% went to payroll, the loan can be 100% forgiven. This means that you won't have to repay the money you borrowed. Again, these rules are incredibly strict. Read the website. Uh, you, can adjust your, uh, you cannot adjust your staff during this time. Your level of forgiveness will be reduced by the same amount you reduce your headcount. Your forgiveness is reduced if you lower salaries. You have until June 30th, 2020 to fully restaff if you are using the loan to rehire employees. And that is quoted directly from the School of Motion um, article about it. So I don't want to get flagged for uh, uh, not properly citing my sources. Hopefully that forgives my failure on that second part of the quiz. That's good. That's good. I guess guess, uh, some of that was a little bit right that I had heard. That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, you got to have a business that's set up that way. It sounds like you have to be able to prove that you've had those employees uh, prior. It's not like I can suddenly go like, oh, I've got a small business. You know? Right. My no. roommates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're smart about it. They're yeah. smart about it. But for that, uh, the, like for, for individuals who don't have a business, who are, um, you know, freelancing and doing all that stuff, or even uh, independent contractors, unemployment has been extended to cover all of that under the CARES Act. And that's what theory. I did my research on. In theory. Let's see. Let's see what those unemployment checks look like. Oh, like yeah, no. Empl- oh, shit. Good luck getting in. Good luck actually getting into somebody that you can get on unemployment. But once you're on it, like, it, you can't be turned away for that unless you don't know how to, like, you didn't take the uh, the high school uh, class on Egyptian hieroglyphics. And in which case, <laughs> you know, you're fucked. I was wondering where you were going with that. Yes. No, it's very true. Dude, I that mean, joke we went through- better in my head. <laughs> we went through uh, multiple times trying to read because when we first did it, the website wasn't even set up for it. It was still set up for people that actually paid into unemployment and had real jobs, quote unquote, real jobs that had time cards and everything else. So uh, I have to go relook at it again and see if what those changes are um, because you couldn't even fill out the forms the correct way. And that's kind of the process that we went through. We went through and filled out the forms the kind of correct way, but not really. And then I was just everywhere I possibly could. I was cramming in notes like, I am a fucking freelancer. I am a work on commission. Please, I'm a freelancer. And then they sent me the shit the other day and I literally just wrote a letter and I put it, in, I returned it to them and I was like, this is my scenario. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what's going on with me. If this is not going to the right person, please let me know who to send it to. Because it, it's it's been a fucking nightmare for, what is it, two, three weeks now? trying to figure that stuff out. It's funny to watch how the president will go on television and go, this is what I'm going to do. And then you just watch how American politics and bureaucratic bullshit work where everybody's like, well, we just don't know. We don't have the website for it. We don't know how to change the website for it. Like there's so much with our big business and politics where 
the people that run it don't know how the fucking shit works. Mm. So it's just like, I don't, what's the form supposed to, what's the wording on the form supposed to be? And it's just like, fuck you. So you're just sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting for this fucking shit. There's a Isn't way to it? get around that. Oh and yeah, what is the way? It's by getting more money so you can hire more people that are actually oh. qualified to do that. But the only way to increase income for, say, something like a federal government is to increase taxes. And half of the people who are in that business feel like they shouldn't be increasing taxes. And so then we get bullshit federal systems and then the people who don't want to increase taxes get to go say see it doesn't work this is why we shouldn't fund it and the people who are doing it going like yeah that okay i'll stop now okay okay that's uh, your moment that's your, that, that's that the it. only yep. political that's the only political moment yep that we're allowed to have on the show let me let me let me swap <laughs> gears yes let's please get do. out of that shit let's swap out of that shit uh <laughs> there's there's a simple solution okay i'm done yeah no we're out we're out yep, we're, we're out of that uh, so, um, so I could tell you about my week. So last week was an interesting week. So I've been, um, we're still pretty busy. So we're pitching on a couple different pieces. We, uh, pitched last week on, uh, like a series and, um, and something else that's really kind of exciting to see if that happens, which by the way, we haven't heard back from those people yet. Um, but we did uh, start the week with two pitches, and uh, pitching is still the same, even though we're doing it now over Zoom or whatever. It's still the same awkward, hello, welcome to the room, that kind of bullshit. Uh, just that they don't have to pay for water bottles now. <laughs> so we literally don't have water bottles handed to us. We have the, I, what I like to do when I do pitches with Zoom is I'll have one of my roommates come and bring me a water bottle. <laughs> So that's sort of my little nod to the way it's supposed to be. Uh, but uh, I also spent the week, like I was saying before, um, prepping uh, for this movie. And uh, I'm in a pretty exciting stage right now. This is when uh, the script is locked down. So the script's in. Uh, we really love it. Uh, Will, Will Simmons, uh, who wrote the feature version, uh, it's really great. Um, really happy with it. And it's, I was saying to him on the phone the other day, the difference between uh, working with his words as opposed to working with my words on short films is that my stuff is pretty thin, <laughs> to put it, put it lightly. I often am just writing out of necessity. And I'm usually writing screen direction and I'm writing stuff because I have an idea of what I want to film and the mood that I want to create. And so, for instance, when I was doing uh, 12 Cam, the short uh, when I was planning out sequences, um, I was drawing them out in the storyboard section and, and literally drawing them out as far as timing and pacing goes uh, because I would just loosely write something in the script. So I was consistently rewriting as I was boarding. Um, and now it's fascinating because Will's done such a great job in filling these scenes with as much uh, beautiful texture as possible. Uh, I still have that sort of mentality of like, tackling the boards and going, how do I want the scene look? And I find myself getting into that, like, well, let me rewrite some of this in my head. But then I go back and I read the script. I'm like, oh, he's already nailed it. Uh, this is really great. So it's it's been this really fun um, new sort of adventure for me, sort of processing a screenplay that's fucking great. And I'm not just saying that because I'm friends with Will and him and I've been working for, what, five-something years now. 
Um, but because it's been approved by the production company who loves the fucking script. So, um, and he's killing it, man. I, I still got to get him on the show. He's being a fucking baby about it because he wants to come on the show uh, when we sell one of these things so we can talk about that. But he's killing it right now. Um, he just got picked up to write for a major studio. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the project, but he just got picked up to rewrite a huge franchise for a big studio that he's working on right now. Um, very fortunate to be working with this guy. Um, and I cannot wait for you guys to see this stuff. And the process of boarding has been a lot of fun because it's the first time I get to see the movie and I get to see the movie unrestricted while I'm trying to be responsible, but generally unrestricted for budget. So I get to go through and go like, this would be really nice. And what if we do a camera move here? And what if there are three trucks in the shot instead of one truck? And what if there are, you know, and the process is a lot of fun. And uh, I, I should do a piece. We've been teasing uh, well, actually, we've been talking about it amongst ourselves, Liam and I. I should do a piece that sort of talks about how I storyboard stuff. Because uh, I have a really fascinating process that um, not being a full-fledged artist, um, but being an artist out of necessity, every once in a while I jump in and do stuff. And I've been trained as a, a figure drawing artist and uh, comic book stuff. But uh, it, being an artist is like being a guitarist. Like if you put it down, you just lose practice you lose the skill um so it feels like every time i i start one of these projects i have to reteach myself again um and one of the things i like to do is i work on my uh, wacom i have a cintiq i've got like a cintiq 13 which is the smaller version of it um and i work from reference photos so i almost like do like a like a photo bashing or i'll bring in a bunch of different references whether it's backgrounds or whether it's uh body positions or silhouettes and then i'll trace those to lay them into the frame um, so that I can go in and then do the details and relight it the way I like. So it's an interesting process. I'll have to show you guys how I actually do it. Um, I did a, a Instagram uh, live with it a couple weeks ago where a bunch of people were caught me at the right moment and I was showing that stuff. And uh, I do that every once in a while. And if you guys aren't already, this is a good transition into self-promotion. If you guys aren't doing it already, uh, then do so. Follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy on Instagram or the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram. Um, and there you'll be able to catch me doing shit. Like I, this week, I did a little bit for the storyboarding, but I also was uh, prepping the big Dale Strong release that I put out this week, which um, is a new ad campaign that I directed for uh, Dale Strong Knives. And if you guys have followed my work, you've seen that I've done stuff with them in the past. Um, I love working with these guys. Uh, David over there is a great dude. Uh, he's a big fan of the work. He's a big supporter of art. And he's a big supporter of great ideas. Um, and uh, he basically lets me sort of go off the rails and do kind of what I want, which is a fucking rarity um, in advertising and Strong commitment to those guys because we started uh, shooting that, I'd say that the week before the lockdown was when I was doing the knife piece and uh, Cruda, David Cruda, cinematographer David Cruda came out and he worked with me on it again. Um, and I had a great group of people working with me through the whole bit. Um, and we shot it and then went into lockdown. So thank God I shot that and I shot another piece 
right before I went into lockdown and then I had to start doing post-production, which the first month of lockdown was essentially just doing post-production on those two pieces. And um, there's that fear because if you're a smart, if you're a smart producer, if you're a smart freelancer, you charge up front, right? So you always charge a down payment and depending upon the scale of the job, it's either 25%. If it's a smaller job, it's 50%. Um, so I ended up charging about 50% up front, which right off the bat will pay for the crew, right? That'll pay for your expenses, your, your rentals, your camera rentals, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, thankfully I did that because, um, I, there's nothing better than to be able to write checks to your friends, um, at a time period like this, which I was so happy to be able to do, um, but then the fear is, because as the producer and as the filmmaker, the guy in charge of it all, you get paid last. And so my big fear was that all these companies are not selling shit. They're out of commission. They're not doing things, um, shutting up shop, uh, that I wouldn't be able to get my half in the back end. And um, I just want to say kudos to uh, Dale Strong for being a stand-up company um, that follows through with everything that they say. Thankfully, um, I was able to get paid, which is great, which puts me in a good place. But um, I also just released all that stuff on Instagram yesterday, day before yesterday. Um, so to go check it out, it's fucking rad stuff. Uh, we got our hands on like some epic, epic knives, epic blades um, from uh, Dale Strong and uh, Got to hang out with last week's episode, so uh, Brian, or earlier this week's episode, rather, Brian Dunsmore, Chef Brian's, Brian Dunsmore was on the show. He worked with us on Dale Strong. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are like, well, uh, because you had him in your piece, you were able to get him on your podcast. That's not true. The process was I reached out to him to get him on the podcast first. And then talked him into being in the Dale Strong piece. So this podcast really helps out for that. It gives me an opportunity to hang out with folks that I can then work with. Um, and Brian killed it. And uh, we got to we got hooked up um, from our buddy over at Able. And uh, we got some great fucking equipment. We shot all of the fruit being cut at like 1,600 frames per second uh, with Phantom. So we were using uh, old school Phantom stuff. And for those of you who aren't filmmakers, uh, Phantom cameras will shoot super slow motion. So like on your iPhone, I forget the speed the iPhone does. It, it does twice the speed, right? Maybe the iPhone will do like 120. Yeah, it goes up to 120 now. Yeah, so it does like 120. So when you're shooting your fucking dog running at you in super slow motion with a Frisbee in its mouth, uh, and you're like, whoa, check it out. His ears are flopping really slow. That's 120. We were shooting at 1600 and that process in itself is so fucking interesting because uh, all of the action when you're on set happens in a fraction of a second. So like you cut through a pomegranate, for instance, right? And uh, we have this massive fucking cleaver. Looks like it can, literally it looks like it can take someone's head off and he swings it down on the pomegranate and it goes and it, and it cuts. It's like done, right? Um, but then you play it back at 1,600 frames per second and you see 
all of the condensation on the blade moving. As the blade moves super slow, you're just looking at this painting frozen in time. And as, as it cuts through the fruit and it just squirts out juice and the seeds fly out, it's fucking cool as shit. And there's something so interesting about high, high, high speed photography. It just further pushes the point that in every second of the day, there is some sort of story being told. There is some something epic that is happening that oftentimes we're not trained. We don't notice our eyes aren't, don't have the capacity to see it. Um, but the thing that I think everybody finds fascinating about slow motion is that with this technology, you're able to see all these beautiful fucking accidental little details that happen at a fraction of a second. So if uh, you guys are interested in what it is that I'm talking about, go to my Instagram page, or you can see all the pieces. Uh, I, I put them all on my website. So if you go to MikePetchy.com, uh, you'll be able to see them all there. Uh, check them out. Uh, so, and I don't, this isn't a sponsor show, but I'm going to say it anyway. Support Dale Strong. If you like those guys, they make great knives. Um, they don't sponsor the show, but uh, they're, good, they're good dudes. So working on that, working on the storyboards. What what have you what have you been up to this week, Liam? Um, I've I've actually been doing stuff. You know, I've been doing stuff, and uh, I believe you. I, I believe you. Like, what have you been doing? I've been doing. Let me tell you, stuff. I've been doing it. Um, now I have been doing uh, a lot of my my projects for school. My big project for school. Uh, I've been going through the footage. I've been looking through it. Um, like I've said off air, I was hoping to work with an editor on it to really, um, number one, speed up the process, but then number two, actually be able to get more collaborative with post, uh, that, mm -hmm. that kind of changed with current situations and that's okay, but I'm, I'm going through it individually and I don't know, there is something about being in post and looking at a big project, uh, cause we shot 70 pages worth of a script, uh, last semester and we had to do wow. it. Yeah. And it was, you know, we did it with no budget. We did it with uh, basically no gear. It was all my personal gear, my lights, my stands, my uh, my camera. We used some gear from the school, but basically anytime I tried to use gear from the school, the school came to me and said, you can't use that anymore. So <laughs> yeah, that was fun because there's you know 300 people in my, uh, in my program and word gets around that I own my own gear. So they're like, you don't need our gear. You're, you shouldn't be taking it. So that was fun. But sitting there and watching, like we shot so much behind the scenes and so many, we just let takes go longer and longer just to watch the funny things that happened on set. And it, it felt good. It felt good watching all that stuff. That's great, dude. Yeah, that's great. That's good. I, I so you, uh, you're still trying to figure out all that stuff. Hopefully you get to finish all that, man. Yeah. Bring it all together. Yeah, we'll be all right. Oh. But I did have some big news. Oh, which okay. I've been I've been telling you it's big news, and again, it's not big news, but you might. A couple weeks ago, right? We talked about all those movies that you need to watch during quarantine, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and I was kind of going star crazy, so I said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna spend two days, and I'm gonna see uh, as many movies as I can to just kind of refresh myself." And it helped. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. on April 18th through April 19th, I started off watching Atlantis: The Lost Colony which is the animated Disney movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and I personally love that one. That was with my roommate. We were watching it. We had a good time with that one. But then I went and on my own, I watched Dirty Harry for the first time. 
Okay. And that was obviously great. Um, that was off mm-hmm. our list. If anybody is listening going, what what is he talking about? Uh, I believe it was episode three that we did what to watch during uh, quarantine. And we have a whole list of uh, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime movies that you can watch. Dirty Harry's on the list. I actually, after watching it, I agree. He is completely racist and kind of a pedophile. But... <laughs> Totally. That's true. That's true. Under the 2019, 2020 eyeglasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some of that in there. But this man, you know, what'd you think of the movie? This man is a peeping Tom multiple times. And it takes a third <laughs> character walks into the scene to describe how many people he is racist against. And his response is to name another race that he is also <laughs> racist against. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's why when he did that, when uh, Clint Eastwood did that Grand Torino movie, it was kind of like a nod to like um, the old retired '80s version of of uh, Dirty Harry. I think it was that was the idea behind that. I, I haven't seen Grand Torino. After watching oh, Dirty yeah. Harry, I don't know if I want to. No, no, no. It's fascinating because that 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 uh, stereotype is then introduced to the modern culture. So it's, okay. it's interesting to see that dynamic. All right, well, now I definitely want to see it. Because the rest of the film, I absolutely love. Like, the chasing, the the whole dynamic between the villain, and it's, it is, uh, yeah, it, there's a reason why it's on the list, and I'm, I'm glad I watched it. So that one. I also watched Steve Jobs, which was uh, the Aaron Sorkin script after Jobs who, passed away. Who was in that? That was, uh, what's Fassbender. his name, the lead? Okay, because there was two that came out. He yes. did one, and then what's his name from that seven Could show you? also did? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Ashton okay. Kutcher did Jobs, and that was the one that was released first. But then Sorkin wrote a script for Steve Jobs, and that was Fossbender. And it was actually, um, oh shoot, I can't remember who was the director, but it was a pretty good director. Is that what's his name who did? Um, uh, uh, fuck. Hold on. That's um, I have a computer right he, in front of me. He did uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. I think so. Let me see. That's um, Danny Boyle, right? Yes. 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 That's yeah, yeah, Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Yep. And that was, that was the name that I couldn't think of. But yes, Danny Boyle. Um, so I watched that. Like, I watched these, all three of these back to back. And then, uh, and it was just great. And then I watched Minority Report because that was also on the list that you suggested. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wasn't a huge fan of the cinematography. But then there was that shot where it's him looking one way and the, uh, the, I don't know, the the one girl looking the other way, and it's the shot that they use for, like, the uh, posters and stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, that's gorgeous. Okay, hold on. All right. Hold on. Hold on. All right. I, let, let's just point out your description there. There's that one shot with it's the guy shot. looking one way yeah. and then the girl looking another uh-huh. way. Very descriptive. But I said it was Very the poster. I said it was the poster. <laughs> okay, so it's the poster. Let's ask, let me ask you this. You said you weren't a fan of the cinematography of that. Why, why were you not a fan? What was it about it that you weren't a fan of? Okay, so all of the highlights were blown out, and mm-hmm. it threw me back to Backstreet Boys music videos. Mm-hmm. And I know that was the style of the time with all that. I understand that it was trying to set the scene. Or maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm a fucking idiot. But it was like, it just wasn't my style for like 50% of the movie. And then the other 50, I was like, holy crap, this is it. This is the shit. But I think it's it's hysterical that you say that, and it's valid that you say that, um, of course. But um, Gina says the same thing. So anytime we watch, like we were watching like uh, 
Gone in 60 Seconds with um, Nicolas Cage the other night. Yeah. And we were watching stuff that comes from that time period, which is essentially like the late 90s into the early 2000s, where um, this was pre-digital. And so people were really pushing film to its limits. And that look is essentially what there's a chemical process called the bleach bypass process that um, uh, don't quote me on how it's actually done. If there's a real cinematographer that wants to comment on this, um, we can comment on, on it on uh, let's do it on the um, Reddit page. Um, but there's a bleach bypass process that will essentially crush the blacks and blow out the highlights. And it's a very specific look. And it was, uh, I forget who, I forget what movie did it first. I feel like Alfonso may have done it. Like somebody was doing it earlier on. Guy Ritchie was doing it a lot. So it was like in the, like in the late nineties. Um, and that specific look is so dated to that time period that in that time period, it was always like sort of like an edgy, sort of cynical, sort of rough and mean look that was associated with it, especially the subject material. And I was watching this stuff with Gina the other night. She goes, I fucking hate the way this movie looks. And I was like, what? What? Why do you hate the way this movie looks? I said, it's, desi it's designed really nice. And she goes, the fucking colors and the goddamn desaturated thing. She's like, it's just depressing. It's all part of that fucking bullshit, those fucking 2000s. And I was like, man, that must be a younger generation thing. Like, you guys must... Because I've... Multiple times I've seen people react that way to it, where it's like, ick. Um, which is funny. And I'm curious to see what the next generation's thing is going to be. Whether they're like, I really hate those fucking yellow LUTs that everybody are using on shit. That yellow and blue LUT fucking thing that Michael Bay used all the time. Um... It just became one of those visual trends that uh, a great movie starts with it, and everybody's like, "Fuck, that movie's really great." And it's it's cutting edge because if you sh if you show it in contrast to the normal Hollywood shit that was being shot at that time period, it was really fucking boring looking. Um, and it's interesting to see how over each decade there is some sort of trait that Hollywood sort of latches onto visually. Um, like modern traits these days have all been like the quasar tubes and the fucking uh, super insane uh, rainbow colors and pinks and purples and, and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be the definition of like the past five, ten years. Um, but and then you go back to like the, the late 80s, early 90s, and that's the where Ridley Scott and Tony Scott were king. And it was uh, smoke machines and hazers and... Um, and gradient filters for the sky. So you'd have like the sky going from like a orange gradient down to a close up of someone's face. Um, it's interesting that you react to it that way. You're not the only one that has had that reaction that I want to throw up. <laughs> yeah. When I, I look at this shit, I, I looked it up. Apparently it was used in the fifties, but then it, uh, it started getting back into fashion when Roger Deakins used it in 1984. Ah, so that would explain it. Now, ah, interesting. That being said, you're talking about uh, some other looks in the '80s. Um, I also watched Avengers: Age of Ultron. It actually holds up. I recommend anybody who likes uh, likes all the Marvel films. And then when I watched it opening night, it didn't feel great, and I, I kind of left disappointed. But my roommate and I we watched it together again, and we were like, "No, this." This actually, it holds up. It's better on the second view. But 
talking about the 80s look, I watched two movies that uh, my neighbor said I needed to watch. And so I watched them back to back. And they are Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Ooh, I was I was wondering where this big news was going to come into play. Yes. Oh, and for the listeners at home, the reason why this is big news is because Liam was at my place and I have a collection of, yes, I'm one of those guys that has still has a collection of fucking DVDs and Blu-rays. Uh, and Liam was like, I haven't seen Blade Runner. And I was like, what? So, okay. This is true. How he, was your response? He, had, he basically handed, threw a book at me and said, it was all the, uh, it was all the artwork from Blade Runner 2049. You were like, look at this get some inspiration. I was like, huh, I've never actually seen this. And then what, what proceeded was a hour and a half deep dive <laughs> into why I am not a human being, a full human being until I've witnessed both of those films. I didn't say human being. I just said that you, you know, you run the risk of being a huge piece of shit. haven't <laughs> seen these movies. So, okay. All right. All right. All right. right. So, uh, the anticipation is built. Yes. What is, what is your, what is your, what is your take? I love the world building that the first one did. I, I was totally sold on the world building. The story itself, though, I I I was struggling to connect with. Mm-hmm. And it's just I don't know. It was it was I I watched it with two guys who love um love the stories and I love the idea of uh the relicants right is that what it is the pronounce replicants replicants thank you replicants I keep yep. thinking relicanth which is a Pokemon and that's not it at all but. I, look, man. All right, we're, but replicants, yes, replicants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And the and the idea of a replicant is awesome. The idea of like you know more human than human is awesome. I I the watching the practical effects blew me away, and the set designs yep. blew me away, and the cinematography yep. blew me away. What what bothered me was the basically it was the final act. And I'm not trying to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it because I didn't, I knew of it, but I didn't know anything like actually about it when I saw it. And I thought that was great, but it was, and this is something that happened in the eighties. It was so slow compared to action scenes nowadays that even a chase scene doesn't feel like a chase scene. It feels like, well, here's a character doing X and here's another character doing Y. But in modern days, X and Y are intermittently uh, cut between and we're seeing how the two are connected and it, it just felt like two separate scenes that were kind of being shown together rather than one chase scene. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. The stakes so, never felt high. Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's an interesting perspective on that scene. <laughs> um, it's, I, okay, look, I get... That's him I get, being nice. I get that that's you, him being nice, people. He's He fucking hates that take. <laughs> he hates it and he disagrees entirely. <laughs> I All right, look, I'm, I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be understanding. So, um, okay. So the first Blade Runner, I will completely support your theory on the story. So the weakest part of the first Blade Runner is the, is the screenplay, right? Yeah. So the actual script for that movie is the weakest aspect of the film. The world building is amazing, like you said. I agree. Um, the themes are amazing. There's a lot to be said about the themes in that movie. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that that is where it shines. It's a, it's a thematic film. It has a lot to say about us as humans. It has a lot to say about us as manufacturers. And it has a lot to say with our lack of 
uh, foresight and our lack of responsibility that we have as business people and we have as uh, humans. And this is something that Ridley Scott continues to tackle. This is what Prometheus was about, was a lot of that too. And even Alien, to a certain extent, with the corporation hunting down this alien and everything else. Like, he's, he's been tackling this for quite some time. Um, so I agree with you. The screenplay on that movie, if you're in it because you want a very punctual, well-rounded, buttoned-up screenplay, it's not, that's not why you watch that movie at all. But this brings me back to a point that I often say on the show. There are different movies that do different things. So like if I want like an amazing dialogue film, I'm going to watch an Aaron Sorkin movie. I'm going to watch like a Robert Altman movie where multiple people talking at the same time are talking over each other. And it's just amazing. That's what I'm watching that for. If I want to uh, feel safe and feel comfortable and forget about uh, the COVID crisis, then I'll watch Avengers 2 <laughs> like you did. Uh, and that movie will feel really great in that moment. There's, there's different reasons to watch different films. And I think that the first Blade Runner is a tonal movie first. First and foremost is a straight up tonal movie. Um, now, as far as your argument or your statement, rather, it's funny how I, I said it was an argument because it wasn't an argument. It's funny how you made it that statement be. about the end, the end fight scene. Okay. Right. The, the thing that is interesting about the end fight scene for me is that it is an supercut. It isn't hyper stylized and it is two characters going through two different emotional moments. So you have, um, my brain just stopped. Who plays Baddie at the end? That amazing actor, the bad guy. It'll come to me. Uh, you have him being chased by Harrison Ford. Now, spoilers, spoiler alerts. And this movie came out in the fucking early 80s, so grow up. Um, but uh, he, the, the android is dealing with the fact that his life is ending. He's dealing with the fact that his body is literally not working the way it's supposed to. He literally throws a nail through his hand in order to keep his hand functioning long enough to prove a point to this guy. He knows that uh, his life is meaningless. And his little poetic statement that he makes at the end of the film where it's going to disappear like tears and rain, that's what that whole sequence is about. That, that whole sequence is about him just having that final moment to just say what he needs to say to Harrison Ford's character. What difference does it make? And he knows this. What difference does it make if he does so or not? So that whole fight sequence isn't, and that chase sequence is delayed and is played out as, a, as if it's two different scenes because we're seeing it. We're seeing two different characters go through two different things. Harrison Ford's character, on the other hand, is dealing with the fact that he's put himself in a really shitty situation out of desperation and he knows that he is not nearly equal to this android that has been man-made created. So he's desperately trying to survive. And that was so tragically done when the android breaks all the fingers on his, on his gun hand and literally hands him his gun back. So it's, it's not necessarily a fight sequence. It's more, it's, it's a poetic, uh, bleak, cynical look at the, the, 
the purpose of these two characters. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And for that, it's amazing. And I, I do agree with you that that um, the allegory of the whole story is awesome. The the it's Rutger Hauer or Rutger Hauer. Rucker Howard. Thank, thank you, thank you. Yep, yep. Rucker, Rucker Howard. Howard. He's amazing. So Rucker Howard, I, that speech that he does, it threw me right back in. And while mm-hmm. I was, it, it was the pacing of it that I felt kind of slow. And I, I agree with you that the, the uh, dynamic between the two, it, it was brilliantly shown. I agree with that entirely. It, the fact that it was so, I feel like, I, I feel like it could have been a little bit quicker. But, but that's just me being growing up with such fast editing that I'm not used which to version, Which version did you watch, by the way? Did you watch the director's cut? No. We watched the final cut or something like that, okay. which is okay. the one on Netflix right now. So yeah. I know there I don't know are if he actually cuts. altered that. Yeah, I don't know if he altered the speed of the, of, the, of the chasing at the end, but you are watching, I think, Ridley's, and he cut that years after. So you are watching his version okay. at that point. I think, like, I, I, I agree with you. Everything you're saying about that, that's what I love about that film, is that there is such a beautiful story of a character that knows that in the grand scheme of things, he's, he's, he's just, uh, he was created for a certain purpose, and he's trying to prove that he's not, that it doesn't have to be that way, and that he's more than that, and I love that, but it's, and then, yeah, the fact that Harrison Ford is going around and realizing that he's just human and all that stuff. But what, what the people I was uh, working or watching it with were arguing that Harrison Ford's character is a replicant. That's the big argument that goes back and forth. And if, okay, so, and they've done such a good job of keeping it open-ended. Um, and it, the fu- even if he is a replicant, the idea is that he's... He's not at that military that military model that uh, that Rucker Hauer is. Rucker Hauer is essentially one of those uh, replicants that were created to to fuel the war off planet. Was the idea? So um, so even if that is the case, so you can look at it in two different ways. You can watch that movie and go, "He's a replicant," and if you Ridley Scott always comes out and goes, "Yes, of course he is," um, but then Harrison Ford's like, "No, he's not." So the, there's always been this big fight between the two of them. But if you look at it either way, if you look at him being a human or if you look at him being a lesser model of a replicant, it's still fascinating. It's still a fascinating end for that movie. And the thing that's interesting about it is that that last speech that Rucker Howard delivers was written by Rucker Howard in his trailer right before he had to go out. He went out and pitched that to Ridley. Really? Yeah. So he pitched it to Ridley and Ridley was going through some shit at that time because um, the people that were producing his movie suddenly decided that they didn't want to make that movie anymore. Didn't understand his vision, didn't understand what he was doing. So he was in the middle of a battle and he knew that he had to get, he probably had like a day or so more filming, but he knew that he only had enough for one more night. Uh, And he literally shot until the sun came up. So if you watch that end shot where he's kneeling on the roof and he's holding a dove and behind the sky looks a lot brighter than the rest of the stuff is because Ridley knew that after that sun came up, he was no longer able to shoot any more scenes for that movie. So uh, maybe that fight sequence may have had, or that action sequence may have had more coverage because you're talking about Ridley fucking Scott, you know, go look at all his other films. The guy's the the master of that. If if he wasn't running into that, on set 
suspense and drama from his producers who I think the quote, like they literally said something like, cause he had pitched them as it being a film noir. And then at one point they were questioning him. He goes, it's the perfect film noir. And they're like, what's a film noir? And he's like, Oh, I'm fucked. You know what I mean? Because they just had no idea. Right. Um, so maybe that affects the coverage for it. And I'm not cu- trying to come up with an excuse for it. I think um, him using what he had and making it work has made that scene so incredibly poetic uh, through the edit and through the back end of it. Um, but uh, it, look, I'm not, I don't want to downplay your arguments on this. It's just that you're fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just giving to, a shit. Uh, to argue what? against myself, I will say that I watched that directly after watching like a Avengers 2 and an Aaron Sorkin script. Oh, so it was like, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? <laughs> you watch these things, you got to put yourself in the right mood. Like uh, I had Gina watch, believe it or not, everybody, Gina had not seen Ghostbusters. So I was like, okay, here's the deal. If we're going to watch Ghostbusters, our phones aren't in the room. And that was like prying a baby from a new, from a new mother. So the phone leaves the room. And then let's sit here and listen to some of the top hits from the music from that time period. And let's watch some trailers from the other movies from that time period. Because it really helps. What I'd love to do is give you the same viewing experience that I had in that time period. Because if you have it the same way, then you'll go like, wow, fuck. This movie really fucking changes everything. But to follow up goddamn Avengers 2 and like an Aaron Sorkin fucking script and then watch that, that must have been exhausting for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, again, I started the day with Aaron Sorkin. I ended it with uh, with uh, a back-to-back Blade Runner marathon. So Jesus. Okay, so then how did you feel about the new Blade Runner? I fucking loved it. Holy crap. Yeah, it was, it good, was right? yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was beautiful. It was just I, the story. That was the story that I'm in with, and uh, I don't know. I just everything about it was just awesome. And when when you you're right, like I needed I needed the first film to basically be the cla- uh, the palate cleanser to watch the second film because I was in the right mindset for that. Yeah, I mean, look, the second film is a fucking. I think it's a. I think it's a perfect movie. Uh, and there's a there's a bunch of arguments to be made in the other like Ridley's even said it. He's like the movie's too fucking long, um, but I think it's perfect. I think that uh, it's a fantastic film that has its little flaws here and there, but they're perfect little flaws. I love it for it, um, and uh, it did terribly. It did fucking terribly, and I think it even put that production company out of business. You know, I, I don't know so off that off I, the top of my head, but I believe you. Dude, it's crazy. So you liked it, right? Yes. What did you What did you like about? It? Honestly, I liked I liked the fact that they they were well. The whole point is he's a replicant. Like that was very obvious, right? That was like in mm-hmm. the first opening crawl. They say that this dude's a replicant. So it's like, yeah. As soon as they throw him through a fucking wall, as soon as uh, what's his name throws him through a wall, you're like, okay, got it. Oh yeah, yeah. See that. That was the guy in the fucking Marvel films, uh, Batista. But Batista, yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, get it. Uh, Ryan Gosling's a replicant. But then, like, what is what is love in a world like that? And can somebody who's basically being called, I think it was Meatbag or something like that, that he was um, 
Uh, yeah. It's like he's being called all those names and he comes home and he's in love with a hologram. Yeah. Fucking brutal. Fucking brutal. Especially when, well, uh, spoilers, <laughs> but especially when she gets fucking taken out and then he's walking down the alley and he sees the advertisement for it again. Yeah. Whew. That hurt. Yeah. That, yeah. that advertisement. And it's just, it is his, oh my God. Yeah. No, that was, that was insane. And you know what? Maybe it works better right now because it's so relevant. How many people have like internet relationships? How many people get like Gene has got me watching like 90 day fucking fiance <laughs> on a learning channel. <sighs> my partner's in love with that. Whole, I'm with you. I could do a whole fucking episode on that show. <sighs> it's hot out. I'm just going to calm myself down a little bit here. So anyway, it's fascinating because we do live in this time period where people are having relationships with non-physical people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people that are through technology. So Yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, I, I, did, I didn't mean to make that, that parallel, but you know. No, but yeah, I'm, I'm in a long-distance relationship where we have been long-distance since we started dating. And like my phone has been my... I, I, the movie Her, like I get it. And yeah. and then seeing yeah. this, I was like, I'm I'm there with you, man. I understand what it's like to not have this person there. And then, you know, having date nights where we're cooking. So what are we doing? We're cooking separately. And we're acting like we're together. And you can't yeah. you can't touch the person. You can't fucking kiss them goodnight or or hug them when you go through the door. You can't nudge them or or make fun of the way their breath smells in the in the morning. You can't do any of that stuff, yeah. but you have to fake it. Right, 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 right. And with the character, not your situation, but with the character's situation, he then has to ask himself, like, what am I, what am I reacting to? Am I reacting to... And, and then the question is, is it valid? Like, it was the fact that this, this, this uh, program could learn... And interact, does that make it a, a being at that point? And, and then that asks the question of him, which is fascinating because he is essentially the same thing, but just on a physical plane, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's so fucking beautifully, once again, tonally wonderful, tonally deep, a lot of depth to it. Um, I'm happy that you like that, dude. Yeah. It's a good movie. No, it's amazing. Yeah, I, it really is. Um, but, you know, that being said, when you look at the fight scenes in that movie as opposed to the fight scenes in the first movie, the only difference between the two, well, I mean, I guess there's, well, A, the cinematography in the new movie is gorgeous. And the cinematography in the first movie is gorgeous as well. But this one is just glossy gorgeous because it's the lights and all that new shit that's really, really nice. The colors that are really nice and like the light cues are amazing in that fucking movie. Um, but the music and the score uh, for this is so much more dramatic and intense than the original. Although I love the original score, but you know, that helps with the fight sequences and that helps with all that stuff, you know? Absolutely. And that was, that so, was a comment. Uh, that was a comment that I had had, about other films that I watched. I think it was the one with the uh, Tom Hanks. Um, 
that that you suggested and I watched where he was him and Daniel Craig. Oh, road road to road to, road to perdition. Right. It was it was the difference in in scores that really sold the second one for me because I'm I'm used to that style of scoring. Yeah, it's interesting because I had to deal with that on twelve cam the short. And those of you who've listened to the have seen the short, you guys will know what I'm talking about. We were playing with. Uh, trying to make music that was nostalgic to an extent, but then also was current. But I didn't want to do what so many scores were doing currently, which is the same sort of tropes and the same sort of like dark-seated music cues that are like in every Fincher fucking piece. You know what I mean? Like I wanted it to be a little bit nostalgic. And so I was trying to cram a little bit of John Carpenter in with like the whimsical elements of Spielberg and uh, the people that, the few people that have had an issue have had that issue where they're just like, some of those parts felt cheesy. I'm like, oh, so you're just equating that sound with a shitty movie that you saw that had that sound to it. Got it. So it's a, it's a fast, it's all part of that language of cinema. You know what I mean? Where you're picking these different techniques that say something and hoping that you're referencing as like, if you're picking from literature, you're hopefully referencing from that fucking novel. That's great. And not from like the novella that fucking stole that idea. And then someone thought it was a piece of shit. You know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating uh, process of, of, of design, especially currently, because we're now what 150 years into filmmaking or something like that. What is the time? I can't remember when the first movie happened, but yeah, roughly around um, the 1880s, just after the Civil War and y- stuff. Yeah, so we're now hitting multiple generations of this, which is really interesting, and and how each generation processes it, and how like. Uh, folks your age will look at Bleach Bypass and go, fuck this, which is so fascinating. I wonder what movie it was that that made Gina feel that way, where she's just like, this sucks. <laughs> it was like, okay, what what was the movie that, that defined this language for you in that boat? Because I could use that same technique today and do it in a different way that you would fucking love. So it's interesting. I think, I think it's the music videos. It very well could be. And that's an interesting thing because I was doing music videos heavily at that time period. Um, And music videos were just, treatments were coming in for artists that were like, yo, did you see The Matrix? (laughs) And they're like, yes. Wouldn't it be great if our whole video had like fluorescent green lighting in it? It's like, I get it. You wanted to be cast in The Matrix and you have some money and now you just want to remake The Matrix with you in it. I got it. And that was like a big portion of like the 90s music videos was that. Did you, uh, did you ever see uh, the Spike Lee movie? Yes, I did. It would be great if we... Yeah, I get it. You saw that movie. Um, but, you know, maybe, it, maybe that sort of destroyed that uh, or t- tarnished that bit of language, you know? I mean, it's very possible. I don't, I don't, it, yeah, it's just something deeply ingrained in me specifically where I'm like, oh, I remember that. I don't know what I remember it in, but I definitely remember that and me going, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I don't like that. I don't know. It's very, well, I mean, it is, it, it, I think it is Spielberg's most uh, experimental 
piece as far as the chemical processing. Um, and he works with Yanish all the time. So Yanish, they also used a lot of those techniques uh, to a minor degree in Saving Private Ryan. So Saving Private Ryan had a lot of that chemical processing for the beach stuff and everything else. And uh, it really doesn't bug people in that. It probably has something to do with the subject material, with the, with the fact that Tom Cruise is in it, and with the tone, like sort of the, there is still kind of a macho tone, tonality to it. There is still sort of like a male-centric uh, lead tonality that maybe the combination of all those different elements uh, make people think of that stuff, which is interesting. Um, but it's a shame because there's so much really great Spielbergian uh, blocking that happens in that movie that is just stunning. Yeah, that's awesome. Fucking stunning. And and stunning. Colin Farrell in there is great. Yeah, he's good. He's a he's a good uh he's a good bad guy to uh to Tom Cruise. I think he's really great in that. And that supporting cast is really good in that too. Hell yeah. Um I think it's a good. You know, he also used that same technique when he did AI. Do you ever see AI? Uh AI. No, I saw I saw Ex Machina. I didn't see AI. And I've always Okay. Argue that it it's like giants or eagles, and in but those two, and I'm gonna stick with that analogy. I feel like that's a really good analogy and doesn't have any holes in it whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Well, if you ever wanted to see the last movie that Kubrick didn't get to make, Spielberg took it over. It was AI. Um. So cool. Well, that's big news. Yeah, I'm happy that you uh, got to see those movies. I'm disappointed that you watch those movies in the way that you did watch those movies, but I'm happy that you watched them. Yeah. And I hope, uh, I hope you feel like you learned something from those movies. I'm going to take this as a win. You're disappointed, but you're happy. That's, that's a great win. (laughs) (laughs) No, dude, it's great. I'm happy that you were able to experience those movies. They're really fun. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Uh, so we're, I think we're getting to that point. Uh, let's keep this episode short and sweet. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that uh, you didn't talk about? Um, looking at my notes, I mean, there's there's a couple cool things. Uh, the Canon announced a new camera that's absolutely insane. Um, there's uh, there are some cool document uh, documentaries. I'll post all these in the show notes. Um, they, yeah, there's some there's some other stuff that's that's in there, but we've been talking a while, so. I know every, everybody's cool. busy. All right, well, we'll save, we'll, save that. we'll save that for the next episode. And then for those of you that are looking for content, looking for stuff to watch, um, I cannot be happier with um, uh, my buddy Rick Darge's uh, Instagram account. Uh, he has been on the show. I forget what episode he was on. He was also on our self, first self-quarantine episode. Um, but Rick has been making short content all throughout <laughs> All throughout the COVID crisis, uh, and Jesus Christ, it's like a breath of fresh air every morning, just sort of tuning in and seeing something new from him, uh, and watching uh, a really great filmmaker go insane. <laughs> uh, so definitely go check him out uh, at Rick Darge on Instagram, and then um, they don't need a plug for me, uh, but I've really been enjoying uh, my buddies Tom and Christina's uh, podcast. Uh, your mom's house podcast. They just did an episode this week. Um, 
that uh, didn't have any guests on it because they're dealing with, you know, the COVID thing. Uh, so it was just him, Tom and Christina talking about relationship stuff. And it's a really funny, really great episode, uh, especially if you're locked in a place with your girlfriend. Um, I think you guys will dig that too. So it's the latest episode. I don't have the number, but it's this week's episode of uh, Your Mom's House. So definitely check it out. Love those guys. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of it. As always, thanks for uh, listening. And um, thanks for supporting the show. And uh, we're happy to be back giving you some new content this week. Lots of good stuff on the way. Very excited about it. Uh, anything that you want to plug or anything there, Liam? Um, you know, it's if you, because uh, we talked about a bunch of stuff that we've talked about in recent episodes. If you go on inlovewiththeprocess.com, we do have all of these episodes uh, curated and there is the uh, self-quarantine mini-series page where you can find all of the past episodes right there. In addition to that, if you're on Reddit, we have a, uh, a whole mega thread with every episode's, um, every resource and every single link that we've talked about on these episodes. It's all in one mega thread, so you can just scroll through and click through any of that stuff. Yeah, please do. Go on over to Reddit. And uh, like I said, if you're a cinematographer that wants to get nerdy about the bleach bypass process... Why don't you go on over there and uh, school us. Teach us some shit. Uh, That's it. I'm calling it. We're done. COVID episode five in the fucking can. Uh, That's it, guys. See you later.